have a very interesting investigation on uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and the money flow into it. It's a little complicated. Um, again, pen and paper, if you're interested. But uh, it's fascinating. But before that, New York City, 20 miles away from where I sit, is falling apart. So uh, under Rudy Giuliani and Michael Bloomberg, two previous mayors before the Marxist Bill de Blasio, the crime rate in the city uh, fell so dramatically that New York, with eight and a half million people, became one of the safest cities in the country. It's all gone. And that's because of the PC madness, de Blasio, Governor Cuomo, and the new police commissioner, Dermot Shea. All right. Those three in less than a month have created a violent culture where thousands of people will die that didn't have to die. All right, let me back it up. For the week ending June 21st, these stats are just out. These stats come from the New York City Police Department. Shooting victims, people shot in New York City, up 414% over last year. 414%. Shooting incidents up 324%. So people miss sometimes when they shoot. Okay, why did this happen? On Monday, June 15th, the commissioner, police commissioner, Dermot Shea, announced that the anti-crime unit, 600 undercover detectives, would be disbanded. And it has been. Those men and women were in the violent neighborhoods, posing as homeless people, workers, Uber drivers, whatever they may be. They saw the gangs. They saw who was armed and immediately either disarmed them, arrested them, or called people in to do it. That's what the anti-crime unit did. And now it's there. Why isn't it there? Nobody knows. There was no reason. They didn't do anything violent. They had complaints against them, but any undercover operation will. Well, it was an out of proportion or context. So the Marxist mayor, de Blasio, he loves that because he doesn't want any policing. In fact, his new crackdown is on fireworks. Mayor de Blasio is outraged because there are so many fireworks in New York City. Never mind shooting incidents are up 414 percent. De Blasio's cracking down on fireworks. So I'm going to send in some cherry bombs to him. I mean, this is how insane this is. Now, Governor Cuomo, much smarter man than de Blasio, he's behind the Nobel. Cuomo's behind the Nobel. So if you walk down Fifth Avenue in New York City and you punch somebody in the mouth, knocking their teeth out, and the cops arrest you, which is one in a thousand, but say some cop was driving by, grabs you, you don't have to pay any bail. There's no bail. You can go right back out and punch another guy. And then the same thing would happen. No bail. Andrew Cuomo, governor of New York, no bail. It's boggles the mind. But the real problem now, the real reason that shooting incidents are up 324%, is that the police, the New York City police, the best force in the world, in my opinion, basically, they're on strike. 
They're not going to tell you that. Not all of them. A lot of them. Yeah, they're going to put their lives on the line. They're going to go in. They're not going to. They're going to be nearly as aggressive. They're going to lay back. Now, they're not going to, it's not going to be a dereliction of duty. It's just that it's not going to be aggressive policing. The drug gangs know that. They know it's a free fire zone now in Bushwick, in Harlem, in the Bronx. They can come out loaded, loaded with drugs and guns. And the drug gangs kill each other because they want more territory in order to sell drugs. So if somebody's selling drugs on that block, they'll shoot them, kill them, so that they take over the block. It's what the cartels do in Mexico. That's what this is. Same thing in Chicago. They want that five-block area. There's somebody in there controlling narcotics. Boom. He's dead. And all his lieutenants are dead. And they march in and take it. Now, everybody knows that. So disbanding the anti-crime unit that goes up against these drug gangs, taking them away, you can't justify the policy. You can't. It's impossible. Now, the poor people in New York who live in these drug-infested areas, they should be marching in the streets. They should be protesting in the streets. My kids are going to get shot walking to school. Same thing in Chicago. How long has that been going on in Chicago? 20 years? Where are the marches? Forget about Black Lives Matter. We exposed them yesterday as total frauds. But aren't there any African-American clerics, leadership? Can't you march and say we'd like the anti-crime unit back? Well, if you don't, then you're going to have six, seven, eight times as many murders on your block. And you might be one of them. That's what I would say if I were President Trump. I look at that camera and say, hey, this is what it is. You want to vote left? You want to vote for the Democratic Party? You want to vote for Andrew Cuomo and Bill de Blasio? Get the body bags ready. It's unbelievable. It really, from a guy who knows, and I do, I know that city as well as anybody knows that city. I was born in Columbia Presbyterian Hospital on the border of Harlem. My grandfather, as I mentioned, was NYPD. My uncle was a captain in the New York City Fire Department. I know that city. I reported local news there for many years. And this thing is going to blow. De Blasio and Cuomo and Shea. And the police commissioner, Shea, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Not worth the job, Dermot. Not worth it. Chicago, same thing. Across the board. Rahm Emanuel, two-term mayor. Did he do one thing? One thing. To control all those murders in poor neighborhoods? No. Lori Lightfoot, new mayor, she done one thing? No. Keep electing them. Keep electing them. Los Angeles, same thing's going to happen. Hasn't The stats are not in yet because Los Angeles is so vast, the city of L.A., so vast that it's a different dynamic there. It's not the urban center like New York and Chicago. Just a 
aside, San Francisco, totally out of control, as you know. Rents are down 10 percent. All right. Lowest level since uh, 2015 and falling. They want out. People want, they cannot live there. Can't live here. Beautiful city. P- probably the best looking city in the country. Seattle would be second. Here's Seattle. Ready for Seattle? Uh, no, let me wait. Let me wait on Seattle. <laughs> it's an amazing story what's happening there. I want to bring a guy named John Ponder. He's the founder and CEO of Hope for Prisoners. You're coming to us from Las Vegas. Now, the reason I want to talk to Mr. Ponder is he was a drug addict. He committed a lot of crimes. He spent some time in prison where he turned his life around and now tries to help other convicts when they come out of prison. So, Mr. Ponder, I want to, I want to tell you about you, and then we'll get to your organization. When you were committing all these crimes to support your drug habit, did the cops brutalize you? You know, I think that there was uh, many, many challenges uh, with law enforcement. When you, when, you're, when you find yourself in situations like that and you're committing crimes, you know, you're going to always look at the police officers, you know, as the enemies. So, you know, those things, you know, that, were, that are taking place today, they, they were taking place back then. But, you know, those things were brought on by my own criminal activities and, you know, my criminal behaviors. You don't think they singled you out because you were African-American for rough up treatment? You know, I think that there may have been some issues, uh, you know, whether you're being singled out. And I think that because, you know, the reason why I may have been singled out is because I was coming in and out of drug houses and and areas that were very high crime um, and, you know, uh, drug infested. Did you resist police when you were arrested? You know, there was some times where, uh, you know, there was some challenges and there may have been some times where I had, you know, taken off and, and run, right? But, you know, predominantly you just, you know, I've always wanted to make sure that as I'm getting pulled over, you know, I'm following instructions of what the police officers are asking me to do. And, you know, uh, in, in many instances when things like that happen, you know, I can look back on there and a lot of those things, I bought that on myself. I may have had a bad attitude, you know, with the police officer. I didn't want to go to jail. I'm trying to talk myself up out of it. But generally, when, you know, things like that happen, you know, because of my behaviors or my attitude towards the officers, you know, I bought a lot of that stuff on myself. Do you think police should be defunded across the country? I think that police officers being defunded is the most absurd thing that anyone ever had a conversation. I don't even know why we're even talking about that. You know, okay. and those, those were All right. those now, having those conversations. Y- y- you yourself were a danger to your fellow Americans, right? You stole from them. Absolutely. I don't know if you hurt Absolutely. them, but you stole right. from them, correct? Absolutely, 100%. And, you know, if the police were, were not there, then, you know, maybe I would have not been able to stop. I think that, you know, one of the greatest blessings of my entire life was that, you know, that uh, uh, that law enforcement officer put me in handcuffs. So I couldn't even imagine a world without the pillars of our communities. Law enforcement is both essential and necessary for the safety of our communities. Now, today, if you were a drug addict in New York City, there's no bail for you. So you can rob an old lady, get caught, get arrested, and you get a bench warrant, come back in six months. What do you think about that? Yeah. 
You know, I, I, again, I think that that is absolutely absurd. You know, we, we have to have some structure uh, in, in place to, to make sure that number one, the community's members are being safe. Um, and I think that if we consider the collateral consequences of those decisions that are being made uh, today, I think that people would be, uh, you know, taking a second look at it. Okay, but they're not because your criminal history and your drug addiction was because your ancestors were enslaved. Didn't you know that? <laughs> uh, and again, I think that that is absurd. Okay, now let's get on to your current work. You turned your life around in prison and you did it because you acquired some spirituality. I, that's what I read in your column that, that you, I mean, found God. Is that how it happened? Yeah, I wouldn't say uh, I found God. God found me. And after coming in and out of the system, which seems like forever, uh, you know, I reached a point where I was sick and tired of being sick and tired and look back over the the last 38 years of my life and saw, uh, the, you know, my patterns of behavior and not really accomplish anything of, of great significance in life. And I stood in the prison cell and I asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life and to come in and take over life. And 100% he did. And that is when the transformation uh, of John Ponder had, you know, had taken place. Now, and learning in 30 years, how many times were you arrested in 30 years? Uh, I, I, it was time, multiple times. I can't even count for various 100? different things from, from uh, it was probably close to 60, 60, 60 times, times in and out of, 60 times in and out of juvenile detentions, uh, different county jails, you know, going back and forth to, you know, uh, uh, state prisons. And, you know, my last sentence was in a maximum security United States federal penitentiary. All right. Now, when you counsel convicts now, when they get out of prison, not an easy road for any coming out of prison. Everybody knows that. A lot of the prisoners that I've spoken with still have a big chip on their shoulder. I was dealt a, de I was dealt a bad hand. I didn't have a father. Uh, it's not really my fault that I can't compete. I had a bad education. I'm black. The white power structure doesn't like black people. You've heard all of that, I'm sure. How do you cut through it? Right. And again, I've heard it, and I may have even said that uh, a time or two in my life, but I don't care where you come from, what your background is, what race you are, your dad wasn't there. It comes a time in every man and woman's life that they need to muster up the wherewithal and to step up to the plate, take accountability for the life, and make that quality choice to lead their life in another direction. Because we can continue to uh, point fingers and come up with elaborate excuses for us to be able to stuck, stay stuck in the ruts that we've been in. Or if we can, you know, dig deep, uh, reach out, ask for help and live your life, uh, you know, in a, in a whole nother direction. How many prisoners that you counsel that come out right. of the jails respond yeah. so to your message? Give me give me a percentage. Yeah, so we've had the we had the privilege to work with over 3,300 men and women since Hope of Prisons was founded back in uh, 2009. 74% uh, of those folks successful in gaining full-time employment and sustainable wage jobs, and only 6% of those individuals return back to our system. Now, do they have to seek you out, these prisoners, or do you seek them out? 
you know, there's a combination of both. You know, one of the things with us seeking them out uh, is going into our prison systems right here in the state of Nevada. We are in seven institutions and we are we encourage to go inside because, you know, sometimes people don't know what it is that they don't know. They don't know the tremendous opportunities that wait for them outside the walls if they have changed that mindset and if they are truly, truly uh, looking for a second chance and really want to change their life. And that's what it is that we do, that once they get released, do everything we can to uh, help them to stay successful so they can take take care of themselves and take care of their families. All right. How can people help you? I know you're a nonprofit organization. How can people help you? Right. So you can certainly visit our website at hopeforprisons.org. You can make a donation. You become a mentor. And when you're becoming a mentor with our organization, Hope for Prisons, you are joining over 100 men and women from the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department that are mentoring training men and women coming home from the prison system to help them to be successful and to not go back. Hope for Prisoners, one word, hopeforprisoners.org, right? That is correct. All right. Mr. Potter, we wish you the best. You're doing God's work, in my opinion, my humble opinion. And uh, I hope we can talk again. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Now, from I wanted to do that because I knew that was going to be a positive segment because now we're going to the negative. You got to stay with me here. Okay. Black Lives Matter is a slogan. Nothing wrong with the slogan. Black Lives Matter is also an organization, okay? The organization is formally called Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation. Let me repeat. Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation. That's the organization. They get millions of dollars, but, but they are not approved as a tax-exempt organization. So if you give them money on paper, you could not deduct it. So according to the Washington Times investigation, George Soros, since 2015, has given Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation $33 million. And on paper, he can't write it off, but he can. Now here it comes. So the Black Lives Matter Global Network, okay, incorporated in Delaware, Joe Biden's home state, has forged an alliance with a group called Thousand Currents, 1,000 Currents, C-U-R-R-E-N-T-S, 1,000 Currents. They're in Oakland, California. They are run by a guy named Paul Strasberg. Let's see, Paul. Far left, way, way left. Worked for the Ford Foundation, which is a huge benefactor of far left things. He is uh, a Peace Corps, former Peace Corps volunteer. He runs 1,000 Currents. They have made an alliance with the Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation. And because of that, Because of that alliance, all right, your donation is tax deductible. It's very, very complicated, okay? So 
I'm going to quote fiscal sponsorships. What the it's so calm. 1,000 currencies sponsoring financially the Black Ladder Lives Matter Global Network Foundation. Because they're sponsoring it, the government allows you to write off the donations. It goes through the 1,000 currents organization to Black Lives Matter Foundation. Now, what happens to the money? Ready? 25% of the millions of dollars that go into the Black Lives Matter Global Foundation is spent on salaries and benefits. A quarter, but it gets better. 46% goes to consultant fees. That could be anybody. That could be your mom, your daughter, your son. You're consulting. You're telling the Black Lives Matter Foundation what they should do. 71% of all the revenue either goes to salaries, benefits, or consulting fees. And that money is just given to people. Okay? 71%. That means 29% actually help or potentially, God knows what they do. I, they print up signs, they get buses, they pay people to demonstrate. We all know that's what they do. But the vast majority of the money goes to the Black Lives Matter people in the foundation. What? And they're, they're shrewd. Nobody knows this. Where's the IRS? If Soros gave him $33 million, where's that money? IRS? I don't, we don't know of any audits of the 1,000 Currents Organization or the Black Lives Matter Foundation. I mean, I thought Al Sharpton ran a scam in New York. This is unbelievable. So all the Hollywood pinheads and the corporate idiots and everybody else writing checks. That money's going right into these people's pockets. And they're Marxists. It's, so you figure the New York Times and the Washington Post would do this, right? You figure NBC, CBS, ABC News would do this. Fox News. Why did Fox News do this? Uh-uh. No way. They're scared. You do it, you're a racist. Just so you know, the George Soros money goes through his Open Society Foundation. Not out of his pocket. It's out of his foundation's pocket. The reporter who exposed all this is Kelly Riddell for the Washington Times. Just so I'm giving you plenty of backup here. All right, Seattle. So here's the headline in Seattle. There's a company... Let me get the name of the company correct here. Smead Capital, S-M-E-A-D. Billion dollar investment firm based in Seattle. Or should I say, used to be. The Smead Company is leaving for Phoenix, Arizona. Here's a quote. We announced our decision to move to Phoenix's 
internally to our staff in January, long before the COVID shutdowns or the nationwide protests made their way to Seattle. Nothing happening and being reported in the news right now at any weight on our decision. All right. Mr. Smead said. OK, but then he said. Then he said, quote, the unrest that has taken place in the city of Seattle, there is really not a downtown business community today. Cole Smead. All right. Quote. They're getting out of there. You know why they're getting out of there. And that's just a first. Seattle, kiss it goodbye. Kiss it goodbye. And that's a four. You know, you elected, you Seattleites elected Durkin. You Washingtonites, you elected Inslee. Just like the people in New York elected de Blasio and Cuomo. This is what you get. This is what you get. In addition... The city council in Seattle says we're not going to prosecute sex worker beefs or drug offenders anymore. (laughs) So therefore, the hookers can do whatever they want, whenever they want, wherever they want, including your front yard, if you live in downtown Seattle. And the drug addicts can do whatever they want. Shoot up in front of your kids? Sure. No problem. Seattle. Anybody want to move there? Anybody going? And it's lovely. It is a beautiful city. Ruin. Ruin. New York City, 20 miles from where I am right now. Okay, you ready for this? From Sunday, June 14th to Sunday, June 21st, Father's Day, two days ago, crime in New York City went up 358%. 358% over the same period of time in 2019. Defund the police? Hey, how's that working? Bill de Blasio, you moron. Roll him. Uh, This means we know when there's shootings, they beget more shootings. We understand retaliation. We understand gang dynamics. And I've heard from a lot of community leaders that they're increasingly concerned. So as we try to make sense of all the important issues that have to be addressed in this budget, I think, Marsha, it's really important to remember, you know, job one is always to keep people safe. Sure it is. Job one. You, de Blasio, in office seven years, haven't solved one problem. Not one. I was on with Mark Simone, the uh, New York uh, talker today, and you ought to listen to that conversation. I asked Simone, who knows New York as well as anybody, Give me one problem Mayor de Blasio has solved in seven years. There aren't any. He's made everything worse. And now he and Dermot Shea, the police commissioner, who's going to be out of there soon because the cops won't work for him. They disband the street crimes unit. We talked about it yesterday. Why? There's no reason to. They were the undercover detectives in the violent neighborhoods that stopped the violence before it started. They saw the gangbangers coming out with the guns and nailed them before they could shoot anybody. They're gone. And you wonder why crime's up 358% in a year? Well, but job one is protecting people. It is I have never 
in 46 years of reporting and analyzing the news, seen a more incompetent individual in public service than Bill de Blasio. Not only is he a Marxist, he is flat out stupid. He is a dumb man. And New Yorkers elected him. Only 27% voted. I can't vote in New York City because I don't live there. I live in another county. Okay? But he's there for seven years. He's got one more year to raise the, the crime rate a thousand percent. So defund the police means bodies in the street, in the minority neighborhoods, Black Lives Matter. Do we all get it? Well, I'll tell you a guy who does get it. Former football great Herschel Walker. He tweeted on June 17th, quote, I have an idea for all these people who don't want any police. I'd love to meet with American Airlines, Delta, Southwest, and make a deal to fly them to countries that don't have police. I want them to be happy, unquote. Herschel Walker joins us now from Dallas, Texas. So you are at odds with many African Americans who support the defund the police movement. How did that happen? Well, it it happened through truth. Uh, truth is, this country was built on laws, and do uh, do we have a long ways to go? Yes, we do, but uh, do we do it this way? No, we don't. And I believe in I believe in the police. I believe in the laws, and I thank my father, who was a, born in the South uh, with racism, taught his kids to uh, respect the police, but also educated his kids to uh, go out and become lawyers and doctors and and you change things within the system, you don't go out and fight the system because who uh, live by the sword would definitely die by the sword. Okay. Now, in your life, you have been fabulously successful. And it has been because of your talent and hard work. University of Georgia, Dallas Cowboys, New York Giants, Minnesota Vikings, you're a football legend. But before you got there, when you were a younger person, a kid, did the cops hassle you? Well, they didn't hassle me uh, when I was a little kid. They hassled my my father. But uh, today, you know, I have some police officers that may hassle me. And uh, but that 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 that's only a few. And that's why I, uh, I support the police, because, you know, they're bad everywhere. And, you know, 99.9% of the police are very good people. They're out defending this country. I support the military. I support the flag. And what's sad is uh, because I disagree with some of my African-American friends and some of my Caucasian friends today, I've been called a name. I've been called all this. And I'm saying that's what's so beautiful about America is I have a right to choose. But they want to take that right from me. No, they want to demonize you if you disagree with them. Now, your dad, you said your dad was hassled, right? How did he handle that, and what did he say to you about it? Well, he had four boys and three girls. He got a bunch of grandkids today, and he told us to be respectful. But he also educated us to say, yes, sir, no, sir, and, uh, you know, obey the law. And, you know, and he always said, let me do the, the dirty work. Let him handle the dirty work. And, and what I mean by that is I wanted to be a police officer. You know, a lot of people don't know I wanted to go to the FBI. 
I spent a little time at the academy there in Quantico just training, and I spent some time at the police academy doing some different things. And and defunding the police was a terrible idea. Maybe they didn't mean defunding the police. Uh, they may have meant something else. But my thing is, I want most people that is unhappy with the United States to go to a country that has no no laws that do uh, or has a police department that is ran by the government that. I want them to be happy because this is the United States of America. And I think we, we got to uh, remember that. You know, I, I'm sad that they're destroying all these monuments. These, you know, most of the young kids today don't even know what those monument, monuments are. They don't even know what they stood for. You know, I asked some of the kids, you know, do you know about the Civil War? And they know the South and the North fought and all. They don't really know a lot of this. And, you know, all this racism. I'll tell you one of the worst racist things I ever heard. And I know about racism because I grew up there. One of the worst racist thing I've ever heard is I heard uh, Senator Kamala Harris call Joe Biden a racist in a debate. And the next thing I knew is then uh, she gonna be his running mate as vice president because he now think he should uh, elect a black woman to be his running mate. I think that's racist because uh, why don't you elect someone that is great for the job? Don't put no one in because they're black. Or, uh, that's the problem we have today. You uh, you win things by the merit of who you are, not by the color of your skin. And that's what I preach all the time. People don't want to hear it. We've come a long ways. You know, I heard a debate the other day with uh, with my great Miss Owens, and people asked her, "Why do you what like that statement President Trump made, make America great again?" And they said, "Oh." Why? Did he like what the way it was years ago? And I'm like, that's not what the statement means. Make America great again means that it's better than it was during my Martin Luther King days. It's better than it was during my father days. It is even better when I was a little boy. It's better today than it was when I was a little boy. And it's up to me to make it even better for my kids. You know, will I ever see totally, totally equality? No, I may not. But I'm going to strive to get it. Well, if you compare us to to most of the other countries in the world, um, we certainly compete on trying. Yes. Most Americans are trying. You're always going to have bad people. I and admire your father, by we the way. Great people here. Yeah, we I have know. wonderful people here, and, and everybody's trying. And and it's sad that now uh, because you try and you don't, people don't like what you say. You call a racist. So everybody know, get all nervous about that. But don't word. worry about that, Herschel. It is the important, the important people there? respect you. Always remember, the important people respect you. The gutter and, snipes. You know, I don't care. You know, this, this was a funny beer. I honestly don't care because the truth hurts. Because you know, I'm a Christian, you know, and I'm not telling anyone who to believe in. I love the Lord Jesus. But people would take the Bible and, and interpret out of the Bible what they want to interpret because they want to be happy. They want to be happy with whatever they're doing. But I said the truth is the truth, whether you like it or not. You know, one of the things that I like about this president today, and people said, what are you, you know, I've known President Trump, you know, I've known him since 1980. Yeah, he played for him when he owned the New Jersey Generals. He was my first boss. He's my, he's one of my best friends. I've known him forever. But one thing I know about him, this man helped fund the historical black colleges when people that's been in the Senate, Joe Biden has been uh, in the Senate. He's been a vice president for years. Not one time did he ever do that. This person here helped to, uh, you know, uh, uh, reform the prison system. Has anyone did that? No, they didn't do that. 
So the, it's not what someone says, it's the deeds that they do. Yeah. And I right. see now I got one more question for you. The National Football League's on a bad track. You know that. The peer pressure now to kneel uh, on every team, and you saw what happened to Drew Brees, um, is going to alienate many, many fans. So the fans are going to be angry with the league. I don't think they're even going to play the National Anthem when the players are on the field. They'll probably do it when they're in the locker room. But you know there's going to be you know, signals and this, that, and the other thing. This is going to be a rough season for the National Football League. Do you agree? I totally disagree. And let me tell you, I disagree with Drew Brees. I disagree with Drew Brees because when I first heard his statement, I didn't, thought, I didn't think he said anything wrong because he said, you know, I'm standing because of my father. My, I think he said my father, my grandfather fought in a war. And that was his family. And he and I said, but he's not being insensitive to the African-American players. What he needs to do is talk to them understand what's going on with them and say, you know, I understand what's happening and I'm going to support you as well. But, you know, I still want to stand for the flag. I think for the commissioner to now say, oh, you know, I may have made a mistake. You know, that's no, you didn't make a mistake. What you're doing now is caving into the pressure. Well, that's what I mean. I think there's going to be trouble in the NFL uh, this this fall with the and even in the teams, the teams are going to be divided in a locker room about certain things. It's not going to be good. Listen, Herschel, we really appreciate it. We're going to have you back. I hope you'll come back. Uh, oh, I, I, think you're, I think you're a very gutsy guy to, to put out that tweet and take the heat. Uh, but you're a patriot. I've always known that. I've always, I don't know you, but I've watched you from afar. You've always been a patriot, and I really appreciate you coming on today. No, I, I thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. Okay. Okay. Let's get to the mail. And remember, you can reach me at bill at billoreilly.com. Bill at BillOReilly.com. Wayne is a concierge member, which means on BillOReilly.com, if you are a concierge member, you have direct access to me in private. Okay. Uh, Wayne says, I have to say, Bill, I'm looking at what's going on around the country. I'm quite fearful. The nation is hanging by a thread. Simply not enough people speaking out, especially those in positions of influence and authority. Can't argue. Far left's running wild. There will be a backlash, in my opinion. Sam, Bill, you showed us New York City, Seattle, Portland are all run by Democrats. These cities are running downhill. Chaos. Who's to blame? Don't they deserve what they get? Somewhat. But there are so many good people in New York and Portland and Seattle. They're outnumbered right now by the silent, afraid people and the loons. Casey Clay Oleth. Kansas. Bill, thank you for exposing the corrupt leaders of Black Lives Matter. Is there any reason the three Marxist women are not investigated other than the fear of being called racist? They haven't done anything wrong. I mean, maybe they have, but that's up to the FBI to establish, not me. You can be a Marxist, communist, fascist. You can be whatever you want in this country. They haven't broken any laws as far as I can see. Now we know there's investigations going on, as I said. Frank Guzman, Fredericksburg, Virginia. Are the donors of Black Lives Matter and like organizations getting tax write-offs? I'm assuming people like Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt do. Tomorrow we will tell you. You know, we've been investigating, but I want to really be thorough. So tomorrow we're going to do that. Now, Aniston and Pitt didn't give Black Lives Matter money. They gave Color of Change which is a virulent anti-police group. They gave them 
a million each. Awful. Donald McKeo, Coral Springs, Florida. Mr. Riley, the biggest threat from the Marxist cabal is the fact that most do not believe it's a threat. They don't know. You know, look, we reach, I'd say, millions of people now on BillOReilly.com and the first TV. I'd say we're, we're reaching millions every week. But there are 330 million people in the country. How many, how many do you think know that the Black Lives Matter leadership are Marxist? 1% less. And the press doesn't report it. Mary Keelock, Nanakook, Pennsylvania. Thought your column, it's my country, and I'll cry if I want to. Leslie Gore, by the way, was right on. What can the average person do to combat this violent dismantling of our country? On Monday, Mary, I will have a small solution for everyone. Right? Where do you use solution? It's not going to solve the problem, but it will help. Monday, right here. Tracy Pazic, Phoenix, Arizona. Just read your column, spot on. I will not kneel to the radical left. I only kneel for God. Janice Darlington, Wenatchee, Washington. Everyone in the USA who's able to read needs to read your messages and columns. I've never been so inspired. Thank you, Janice. I appreciate that. Now, this last letter comes from a um, concierge member, and I have her permission to read it to you. Jane Cabes, Houston. My son and I started a prayer map to help me through my diagnosis. We found someone to pray for me in every state and decided to take it international. We have 33 countries. The prayers have been helping. I have finished three rounds of chemotherapy and will have surgery on Friday, this coming Friday. I believe in the power of prayer and was hoping you could help me, Bill. Okay, Jane. Uh, millions of people will hear your letter. And I hope all of them say a prayer for you. We are with you on Friday. Please have your son uh, let me know how the surgery goes. And it goes without saying that we just wish you the best in everything. Okay. Um, Killing Crazy Horse out September 8th. Pre-order it. You'll get it first. Um, we have lots of stuff in our um, store. You might want to peruse, check it out. When writing to us, do not be truculent. T-R-U-C-U-L-E-N-T, truculent. Quick break, back with a final thought. Are you a patriot? Really, are you? All right, uh, final thought uh, centers around a study by WalletHub. I don't know what WalletHub is, but they say here are the most patriotic states in the union. New Hampshire leads the league in patriotism, Wyoming second, Idaho, Alaska, Maryland, the least patriotic states, West Virginia, Texas, California, New York, and New Jersey tops the least. Now, this is based on the amount of veterans in the state and the amount of volunteerism, helping your neighbor. Whether it's true or not, I don't know. I don't care. What I do care about is you. Are you a patriot? So here's the simple test. If you try to improve your country by helping other people and speaking in a positive way, solving problems, understanding, 
try to help your country. If you do that in any way, shape or form, you are a patriot. See you tomorrow.